Craft Beer Radio, episode 441, on October 21st, 2017. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where we're mellow, babe. Just <laughs> mellow. Yeah, playing a little Zeppelin. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Pretty good. Welcome back from London. Thank you. That is Jeff. Greg. And Over there. Have, That's Greg. And we have... Beers. 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 Not an IPA in the bunch. No. Thankfully. We did a session <laughs> IPA on the... On yes. the uh, but we do have an India Pale Lager. Should we start with that? Let's get into it. Okay. Because I said recently that, you know, it's just one of those styles that really haven't been driven home to me yet. It's not one that I've had where I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Well, Brickway this, is, sent, this should be a thing. Brickway sent this beer to us, perhaps to challenge that notion. We'll find out. This is 5.5%. Thank you, Brickway. By the way, 5.5% alcohol by volume. 55 IBU. The malts that are used are Pilsner and Crystal. The hops, uh, Magnum, Cascade, Centennial, and New Age German Grüngeist. No idea. Nice. Uh, Brickway is in Omaha, Nebraska. Beer pours crystal clear. It copper is color? a copper color. Let's see, Grüngeist variety, peach, lemon, equally balanced with passion fruit and floral essence. Interesting. Sounds like one of the you know Australian uh-huh. hoppy hops. With a name like Grüngeist, you'd expect it's a German hop, though. It is a German yeah, hop. Yeah. All right, yeah, so the aroma on this one, the malt is kind of backing it up a little bit. It's it's a bit Pilsner-y or Munich, or a, I should say not or, a, a blend of kind of that crispy grain crack of, of a Pilsner malt, but then a little bit of a toffee of a, of a Munich malt kind of in the nose. But then you're getting the hops, and I think they're kind of coming across like lemon drop or something like that, right? Almost mm-hmm. like uh a little bit lemon peel, a little bit lemon candy, somewhere in there is what I'm smelling. So that Munich uh, that you're smelling is crystal. Okay. It's Pilsner and crystal. But, I, you know, I think it's the same sort of deal. You're getting a caramelization. You're getting that... Um... Sure. Yeah, I, I... Maybe I should clarify what I'm saying. Like, I'm not necessarily reading the ingredient list and right. saying this is how this fits i'm more so saying i'm smelling something that reminds me of the of munich okay or maybe it's it's how the crystal's playing with mm-hmm. a less estery fermentation right and maybe it comes across more like munich does because we're used to having kind of a caramel malt like munich yeah. in lagers maybe that's kind of why i went that way you know i think it's worth talking about yeah but i i also I understand completely what you're saying, and listeners might not know. Almost always when I'm talking about things, it's what I think I smell in the beer or taste, not what I see on an ingredient. Right. I think the reason why this conversation is important is because I did, you know, just read the ingredients as you were pouring. Jeff, you know, is concentrating on pouring, so he's not necessarily totally listening. But it may seem weird that he then talks about Munich malt when I said there were no Munich malt. Yes, I, that's one thing I probably should try to pay more attention to you going <laughs> through the rundown. Uh, yeah, it's 
it's, it's you know it's uh <laughs> we kind of we kind of diverge at that point greg yeah. does the rundown i pour the beers and then we come back together when it's tasting time so th- the best way to put this is is what is this thing that you're smelling as munich quality what is mm-hmm. what is this thing that you were picking out as munich yeah, so I mean, now when I smell this, I'm, the lemony is really coming mm-hmm. through on top. I'm not getting, but when we first had it, first couple of sniffs, it was not as hop forward when I was smelling it. It was more malty, and I was getting like a pilsner type character. But then there was kind of uh, pilsner, a little bit crackery, crackery. There's a uh, tiny bit of spice to it, yeah. like not as spicy as rye or something, mm-hmm. but a tiny bit of spice. I, I feel. And then, you know, there was something on top of that. And to me, maybe because I have, you know, when I smell one thing, there's other things that generally come along with it. And maybe I just went to the thing that comes along with Pilsner that is caramelly, is not caramel malt, but more Munich. So I might have actually been smelling something that was more like white bread crust when if I go back and smell it now that I'm thinking of it differently, it might taste more toffee or caramel. Interesting. I have a story somewhat similar, or is there somewhat about the kind of flavor things that we get mm-hmm. that I can talk about a little bit later, uh, a meal that I had while I was in London that uh, okay. was very interesting. So let's go on to the flavor here. All right. So it's pretty malty up front. Finishes with a pretty big bitterness. There's a little bit of hot flavor in there, but it's really not... Oh wow, it's really bitter. Mm-hmm. Really, really bitter. The yeah, pit, kind the, of kind of bracing when I first had it. I was like, whoa. That's, yeah, that's the not, bitterness kind of like just keeps growing and growing at the end there. Um It's it's pretty malt forward at first. You get those malty things and then yeah, a the, the real bitter laying down the hops yeah. the, if there's a hop flavor, it's kind of like melon, like honeydew, cantaloupe, something like that. Yeah, that that's a good call. Uh, hops that are used again are Magnum, Cascade, Centennial, and the Grungeist. Now, Magnum is generally a bittering hop, mm-hmm. and I think that it, uh, a lot of it was used here. Uh, Cascade and Centennial. Cascade generally comes across as orangey, uh, Centennial, grapefruity. In mm-hmm. general, I mean, it can get a, it can go in different ways, but that's roughly a good idea of where they are. And this Grungeist is apparently sort of lemon with mm-hmm. passion fruit type stuff yeah yeah as i'm drinking this uh it goes from like melony to pithy and then the bitterness just kind of like explodes out of it and just lays on your tongue it's different than other ipls mm-hmm. it doesn't taste like a lager to me it doesn't it, it very much feels full like an ale um it has, um, I mean, the malt flavor is, is pretty clean, right? You don't yeah. get a bunch of esters up front. And then the hops take such a front position I mean, that you really wouldn't necessarily notice the esters strictly anyway. Mm-hmm. It would just kind of be a secondary tertiary thing behind it. I mean, I, I think it, it does have that hoppy lager type thing going on a bit, but... Um, I do think that the the amount of lingering bitterness on this is kind of off balance. I wonder, I mean, I wonder why the choice was made to go with that much bitterness. If there was something about not having that much bitterness that, that threw off the flavors and they needed that to 
to make it more cohesive. Yeah. Well, unless they tell us, we'll never know. Yes. As I'm finishing this up, it's kind of getting a little bit of that, like, lupinally, like, wet hop, like, sting on the back of your throat. Cool. I'm starting to get some of that. So I might as well mention what I was talking about before. One of the, um, I've got to thank Jamie Barlow for uh, giving me um, the hint to go to this place called Marksman in London. Uh, and they had, one of the uh, one of the appetizers I had was, let's see, I have it here, smoked cod's rowan radishes. And okay. that's what the plate looked like. And it's a smoke and Cod's Row is um uh it's kind of um the gonads and, and it's, or or sperm of, of the cod. Mm-hmm. Uh it's smoked and then there's one of these like little radishes. Really the radishes there to offer texture. Right. Uh when I tasted it, I was struck by it was a very familiar flavor, but I couldn't place it. Okay. It was and I was like, what is going on here? Because this is something that was very delicate. It was really well put together, mm-hmm. but almost instantly familiar. And I finally figured it out. It was Slim Jim. <laughs> okay. But I don't know if it was the last time you had a Slim Jim was. Probably yeah, not very recently. But, you know, it leaves a slick, gross stuff on your tongue mm-hmm. and it tastes all... Bleh. But, I mean, this was yeah. doesn't have any of that gross stuff. It's right. very it's delicate. Just very, the spicing. Just the spicing and the, you know, the textural component was very... It was velvety and really wonderfully well done. Okay. But it, it was so weird to have that flavor really pronounced. But you know, sort of delicately produced mm-hmm. in this manner. Not it's interesting. Slim Jim. Yeah. Yeah, Slim Jims can be pretty gross. I mean, it's, but for probably the spicing was, was the major component that led to that. Yeah, but it was, probably. It was very interesting to see, oh, you can make this not gross. Mm-hmm. Right. That's cool. All right. Well, we... Move on to the next beer. Let's go. I really want to try this North Peak, this Dauntless Oktoberfest lager. All right. So you said something about North Peak was Jolly Pumpkin. So I was at the beer distributor, and I were, it was for beer club. And, you know, it's a little late in the season, but it was an Oktoberfest beer club at work. So I had mm-hmm. to find a bunch of Oktoberfests. And this guy was sitting on the shelf. It was North Peak. It comes in this stubby bottle. So it gets your attention right away. And uh, I asked the guy about North Peak, and he says it's part of Jolly Pumpkin. It's their, you know, Jolly everything out of Jolly Pumpkin is barrel-aged. Mm-hmm. This is their clean brewery, or you should say, you know, production brewery, that, you know, stainless steel brewery, North Peak. It's in Dexter, um, in Traverse City, Michigan. Um, and yeah, this is an Oktoberfest. It was was bottled on July 20th. 18 IBU. Uh, They call it a traditional Munich lager. Or a traditional Munich lager yeast. They call it an Oktoberfest lager. Uh, Tetnang Hiller Tower hops. Has a slight haze to it. It pours kind of a golden copper. The head kind of fell down real fast. It has just a wispy head now. 18 IBU. The aroma on this one kind of has a bit of a sweetness to it, almost like a. What is that? Let me 
So you're kind of getting that bread crust maltiness. There's some estuary thing going on here. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like almost like I hesitate to say appley because like appley is like spoiled, oxidized, mm-hmm. stuff, but it, it, I think it might be coming across a little bit appley. Yeah, but it's weird because it's playing. It's playing with the with the malt, and it's making it hard for me to to pull out the what I expect the malty mm-hmm. aroma. I wonder if there's an infection in this bottle. You think this done gone sour? I wouldn't say it's gone sour, but I mean, feel that zingy fizziness on your tongue. Yeah. Mm. Has a bit of esteriness to it. It doesn't taste like acetone or anything straight up sour, right? But it seems like there might be a little bit of wild yeast or something in here. There's yeah, there's something in here. A little bit of that vaguely other, jolly, pumpkin. a little bit jolly pumpkin yeah. got into the North Peak. <laughs> it's not bad. It's just not. It, it, it's well, not an Oktoberfest. Well, that's it. You get a little bit of wild yeast in there. It's going to destroy anything Oktoberfesty mm-hmm. about it, right? Because it's going to get estery. And it seems like the body was kind of fermented out a little bit mm-hmm. more, and it's kind of thin. Yeah, it's interesting because it's, it's it's perfectly enjoyable. It's, it's the kind of thing I'd be like, oh yeah, this is nice, sort of like laid back, low and low degree wild. Doesn't it almost seem like a um, a little bit like a goza or something like that? I mean, short of the salt and whatnot, but the tang on it doesn't in the body. I wouldn't go that far. Okay. No, I did because it's not sour so much as it is, and it's not even that much tang. It's just a little, mm-hmm. a little wild. It's got a little yeah. bit of an estery thing going on there, and a not really identifiable underneath style there. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of an American wild lager in some sense. It's kind of enjoyable. Yeah, I know it, it is. I'm going to drink this, but mm-hmm. it's going to be hard to review because it's not as intended. Yeah. Dauntless. Well, we are dauntless in our drinking of it, despite it's not quite being what uh, it says on the bottle. Yeah, I keep coming back to like apple cider, like fresh squeezed, not not like fermented hard cider, but like fresh squeezed apple cider. Yeah, that's not too bad a call. Yeah, there, there's a little appleiness there, but like like yeah. you said, it's not that spoiled. Apple yeah. stuff. It's just mm-hmm. an estuary component of the wild yeast. Sounds like this place is not as clean as yeah, as the guy said. Yeah. What other beers do they have on their page there? Uh, Archangel, which is a summer wheat. Hail, which is a pale ale, and Stormy, an, an oat IPA. That's the seasonal. Okay. Uh, Year round, diabolical IPA, mellow. They just called an ale. <laughs> Original, a hoppy pale ale, and siren and amber ale. All right. I think we need to do this grisette next before we get into the mm. bigger beers. So Heather picked this up for me at Giant Eagle, I think. Somewhere when she was out beer shopping, she picked this up. This is a collaboration between Omnipolo and McKellar. Okay. It's called Prince and Pauper. 
It is a dry hopped grisette. Cumber uh, can. Recipe by All Star Phantom Brewers, Carl Grandin and Keith Shore. Labeled by world famous Scandinavian designer, designers Henok Fenente and Mikael Borg. <laughs> That's funny that the label's from world famous designers. I know it's, it's, it's such a, a pencil drawing. It's a pencil drawing. It just yeah, it's like a it's like one of those things that Picasso would write on napkins to pay for meals at the end. Of yes. <laughs> I guess... One of these guys is snot coming out of his nose. I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's not the way you'd be like art, arty, art, art. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, I'm not saying that you know I can make art, mm-hmm. but like I'm not very good at drawing people, and I can you know when when I draw like a cartoon profile, it looks pretty much like that. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> you know I, I I could definitely do a drawing of this dude the farmer as good dude. as this. Yeah. The you know that that's you know decently somebody who knows had had right do facial structure. Yeah, still. Not, you know, wonderful, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's Prince in the Popper. So, yeah. Color is a. Uh, hazy straw. Hazy straw with a lot of head. About two fingers worth of like a very foamy head. That's an interesting aroma there. So, not the. Uh, we've had, This is the second grisette we've had in. Like a couple weeks, yeah, yeah. A couple weeks. The row on this one's weird, right? So there's something almost like that lemony hop again, but then there's like a coriander thing or uh, some other spice. I think I know what it is based on the ingredients here rye. Mm, okay, maybe it, maybe it is a spicy rye, very aromatic rye. I can I can make that match up, but it has a really deep nose, right? I mean, there's lots of mm-hmm. lots of interesting things there to really smell. Yeah, the French not really known for their beers, but if you really get into them, they you know because you think wine more when you think yeah. French. Well, because that's a Belgian. Oh, so. well, close enough. <laughs> this is kind of like the. Workman's table beer right. type thing. So dry hop, really big hoppy flavor. It has it. T- the hops kind of character is a little bit continental. It's a little bit spicy, like Hollow Tower Zots. But then you know, there's a lemon thing in there too, almost like that first beer that we mm-hmm. had, which had kind of a um, lemon zest or something like that coming across on it. This is this is nice. This is a well put together. Beer that has a lot of interesting qualities mm-hmm. to it without being overwhelming. In any yeah, after you, sense. after you get a sip in, then you can start to appreciate the malts a little bit more. And uh, it kind of has that kind of wheat type character. Um, the rye, you get that spicy rye bite towards the end of the front of your taste. Um, 
I mean, it's an unassuming beer, obviously, based on, you know. <laughs> yeah. The, and, and then there's, there, you know, the malt's coming through, too. Like the barley, you're getting like a, a baguette-type flavor or mm. something like that coming out of it. So it has... I'd even go pretzel, maybe. Oh, yeah. But I like how lots of facets to look at mm-hmm. on this beer. You know, nothing's too muddy. You can really, like, dial in on a bunch of different things and try to, like, try to dig in even more. This is the Prince and the Popper from. Where's the brewery? Omnipolo and the Killer. Yes. <laughs> Where is that actually written? Oh, there's McKellar way down at the bottom. Okay, there we go. There, oh, their websites actually have. That's where. The label's a bit. Uh, so the the back is all like handwritten printing, mm-hmm. and it you know talks about the ingredients. And there's like boxes around certain parts of it. You know, it's like the maybe that's where the art. You know, yeah, yeah. I think the back's a bit of an art of the art too. Yeah. Hmm. Yep, nice and quiet. Dead air. That's great. Great for the podcast. Well, I mean, it's it. There's there's a lot to explore, but there's. It's hard to pin down things mm-hmm. to say about it so much because it's, nothing's coming off as blatantly obvious, but it's all coming off as very explorable and, and, and there's lots of avenues. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. The you know, grisette is, is not a hoppy beer. This is you know dry hopped grisette, mm-hmm. and the hops are pretty pretty potent. So it really does change. It from what you think of as kind of a, a table beer or something like that, and gives you kind of a much wider breadth of flavors to kind of look at. Um, as, as I'm drinking it, the hops are starting to build and getting a little more noticeable each time, and it's mm-hmm. kind of taking away from the malt character a little bit. The malt character is definitely the the real delicate stuff, and that's where all mm-hmm. the you know the real intricate like. Um, machinery of the beer is happening. So where where the stuff that that's yeah. tingling your tongue and giving you all the avenues and the hops, I agree. They're they're giving they're they're kind of presenting it almost like um, almost like a color filter going on over a painting yeah. or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's a very direct thing on top of the, these malts. So you're yeah you're viewing these malts through a particular sort of hop lens. All right. Let's go to Denver, Colorado. Right now? Yes. In our minds. (laughs) With our taste buds. Let's travel with our taste buds to Denver, Colorado. To the Great Divide Brewery. Great Divide uh, Orabel. Yeah. This is brewed with barley, wheat, oats, and rye. A Belgian-style triple. 8.3% alcohol by volume. They call it a spice ale, I think they mentioned. Uh, it just says Belgian-style ale on here. 
I don't know of any spices. This was, has a canned-on date. It's a Belgian triple. It should age really well, rather well. Um, this beer was canned in January, so it's a... The spice thing that I saw. I could have sworn I saw that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, with spices. Oh, okay. There you go. So, okay. Two yeast streams, orange peel, dash of coriander. Okay. So, triple and a kind of a wit beer type influence. So uh, it's got little bitsy, bitsy bits of things. I see that, yes. Uh, it's yeah. So there's some there's some stuff in suspension in here. There is you know it's a triple color, so it's a little straw, a little golden, kind of in you know in the middle. Now that you say coriander, and I do the tilt the glass until the beer is almost spilling out, and rotate mm-hmm. the glass to coat the sides, it just smells like a bag of coriander after you do that. Yeah, it does actually. I think as they say, a dash of coriander. <laughs> I mean, sometimes a dash is all it takes. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I, I feel like I'm getting like major palate drift. Right, we had rye in the previous beer, and now I'm mm-hmm. smelling this one has rye too, and I'm smelling rye on this one. The um, Barley malt is also readily apparent. It has a really nice malty, as in, um, I don't know, like a rustic bread or something like that. You get a little bit of yeastiness in there, and it has a a nice malty aroma. And that coriander is playing a big role in the nose. It makes it hard to, at least from the initial sip here, to... Think of it like a triple, all those spices. Yeah, you're right. Um, Has a big residual sweetness to it. Yeah. And yeah, that coriander is just blowing me out. <laughs> it, it It's spiced like a wit beer, right? Orange peel, coriander. Yeah. But then Belgian yeasts and a triple. Yeah, I mean, so they probably added more malt to it. And maybe they used an Abbey yeast instead of a whip beer yeast. They added oats and rye here, too, in addition to barley and wheat. There's a lot going on yeah. in this thing. Or a bell. Uh, and there's plenty of alcohol to to to, uh, to move it along at 8.3%. So it's... I've had um, a couple of these, you know, over the last few months. But never in show mode. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it quite a bit when I wasn't being surgical about yeah, it. Yeah. Now that I'm being surgical about it, it's, I'm just being overloaded with coriander. Uh, it's 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 definitely hard not to notice it. I I am enjoying it. I think. <laughs> that you little, think? I yeah, think I like start it. On that. Uh, the coriander does get pretty strong, but I th- I feel like. What's happening here is is rather interesting melding of styles mm-hmm. that 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 I'm sort of digging and and I whether this is the best version of this particular sort of melding of styles I think it may be right. questionable I mean, but you, you, I think there's something to this yeah no do you call it a triple or do you call it an imperial whip beer because mm-hmm. that's kind of what it tastes like right? yeah yeah 
like a you know bigger, stronger, maltier Whitbeer. I, I think what is impressing me most is the potential I see in in this kind of mixture, mm-hmm. and like yeah, pare down the coriander a bit, you maybe play up some other notes, and I think you can get something really awesome mm-hmm. out of this. See that? No, that sip. I wasn't blown out by the coriander. Maybe I'm getting kind of numb to it and used to it. That one, I'm able to taste a little bit of the mineraliness from the Belgian yeast fermentation, and that's what I like to find in a triple. Mm-hmm. I like the dry triples, where you get you know this really neat minerally type character, and I'm starting to taste that now that I'm getting used to it. Where the first couple sips just seemed like it was a really sweet beer and very coriander and. I'm just getting either dialed in or kind of numb to the uh, uh, saturated parts of it. The more I'm tasting this, and I, I even I taste it even more coriander the next time, but the more I'm enjoying it, the more I'm digging what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want you know I want to be especially clear that it's not necessarily this is the best version of what this can right, do, right. but that I'm excited by the potential of something that I haven't really tasted before. I hear you. For sure. Yeah, I think that if you work on, again, it's personal preference, right? The brewers mm-hmm. might think this is yeah. where it needs to be. You know, I feel I want it, to, I want it dried out a little bit. I want a little more mineraliness to it. But I like, I like what they put together. I think going putting the oats in there was a good call because it actually adds a bit of viscosity to it. It gives it a little mm-hmm. bit of you know it doesn't. We're we're so used to the the first ten years or so of the show when oats would be in there, you'd get this kind of sliminess, and right. know, we got to even enjoying it. But people are now being able to use oats without any of that coming it, it, through. It's, it's interesting, right? I mean, because think of how many like oatmeal stouts we've had where they really weren't that enjoyable because of you know misuse of the oats, <laughs> and now like oats are in like everything. Mm-hmm. Just a handful of oats is all it takes. I mean, it makes your IPAs. <laughs> there, I, there was one. Um, I think it was. I think it was at Brewdog. Dog. It was not made by Brewdog, Dog, but when I was at Brewdog, Dog, they I had a uh, England made. I believe England made. Um, Northeast IPA. Um, so, should we talk about the ridiculous thing, or not even give it like time on the air? I'm not even sure what you're referring that to. That thing I sent you when you were in London that you don't remember, like the most ridiculous thing that you've seen like all year from beer. Oh, um... <laughs> I kind of just want to ignore it. <laughs> See, Greg forgot about it. It was made such an impact. I... Buying Anheuser Busch. Oh right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Remind me. Give me. Give me. Give me the 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 details. The, the deets on this. The Brewers Association put out a press release that they started a crowdfunding thing to raise three hundred and twenty-one billion dollars so they could buy Anheuser Busch and take Kraft back. Now, obviously, the point of this thing was not to actually have it yes, come to fruition. Yes, obviously, this is a... But to get headlines. Yes. 
and to get us talking about it right now. Um, Basically, my message to you on Slack was, stay in London, craft beer is dead. <laughs> oh, you're working for the Thrill Us now? <laughs> I guess I am working for the Thrill Us, if that's, <laughs> you know, if a little private hyperbole is suitable. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is that we've, we've known that craft beer is dead for a while now. Um, <laughs> this is just the uh, obituary. Right. We're, we're, we're just in the, in, in the, we're in the part of the scene where the craft part is being slowly turned into something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fine. That that's evolution that happened. You, uh, I mean, I don't know if fine is it's natural <laughs> that that's the way things work. People are going to want to continue to, to be on their sides even though the sides are at this point artificially maintained and very, um, very fragile. If you very Jenga, like I think if if you try to poke at them a bit. Um, so I try not to take them. I think we both do. It's silly. Of course, by Anheuser-Busch with crowdfunding. What, what, What's the... So here's Julia's quote mm-hmm. on the thing. In the last few years, since acquisitions and big beer getting into the full-flavored beer space, you're seeing a squeeze on the marketplace. Off, restu- off restaurant menus and off the, brewery, off the grocery store shelf. Big beer's one-stop shop for beer is not a good long-term solution for choice and selection. Um, but there's another quote. Well, what was that? The full-flavored beer... Uh, Beer space. Space. Okay. Yes. That is an interesting way of putting it. The full-flavored beer space. Are we the full-flavored beer space radio now? This has a mouthful. <laughs> um, t- truth be told, I- I'm not going to defend big corporations like Budweiser more than they should be defended, but... I don't think that everything they do is negative. Uh, and I don't think that that's... that. I think that the, the beer market is now big enough for big players to get in. We've talked about this before, so I don't want to over go over bounds and what, and what this means. I understand where Julia's come from. I mean, she's part of this organization and doesn't want this to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's happening anyway. And there's not much they can do to stop it. Yeah, that's... I smell prosciutto. That's weird. <laughs> On the beer? Yeah. <laughs> and not really smelling it very directly. So okay. stuff is wafting over. <laughs> and it's kind of like prosciutto or, or capicola or something. Oh, okay, interesting. I, I don't know. I... I get they were just going for this like big headline incendiary. We're gonna buy Anheuser Busch mm-hmm. back. Okay, so let's game this out, right? They succeed. They meet their goal. They take over hostile takeover Anheuser Busch. Are they going to um, discontinue Budweiser and Bud Light? Right. What do you do? <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> what do you do with all that money? 
<laughs> you know, like, okay, so we own this company now. What are we going to do with the en- with what the- we deem as the yeah. enemy? Are we gonna just going to, like, take Bud Light off the market? Yeah. It's it's a very silly rallying cry um, to, to get attention. There was um, there's a, a show. Heather, I don't I don't like it. I was messing around my computer. Heather was watching it. The Kevin Can Wait show. Oh God, it's it's yeah. bad. But in the one episode, there's this brewery called uh, Third Three Roads instead of Two Roads. It's Three Roads Brewery, and they walk into the tap room and. I thought it was interesting. You look at the tap list and it's like hazy double IPA, sour raspberry, you know, like it was like real, um, like what you would see at like a real brewery. Mm -hmm. And then real quick, dude has a heart, like a near heart attack warning thing. And then he's in the hospital and he's like, well, Anheuser-Busch is after me anyway for a boatload of money. So I'm going to sell to them. (laughs) So in the show, (laughs) but you know, it's like, okay. So like, I don't know. Stupid show. It's penetrated mainstream. It's pen- culture it, enough a that, bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm on my computer, and the guy's like, "And Anheuser Busch is offering me a boatload of money for my brewery." I'm like, what? Well, that means that just some writer on the show knows it's, beer. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean, it's it's not like I doubt that they on Kevin can wait. They put the kind of you know work into <laughs> it that you do on shows like you know on Rick and Morty or something like that, right? Yeah, you're not yeah. slaving over their scripts. Yeah, some some writer tosses out a concept because he's a beer fan, and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> anyway, end of that. I just wanted to mention, like, like, wait, what? No, like, Anheuser Busch. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I spent too much time on that. I apologize. We have a new Belgium Lips of Faith. This is Clutch. It's a wood aged imperial sour stout. I saw a thing where uh, New Belgium just released a pair of beers. They're putting out Oscar and Felix, where one's aged in apple whiskey barrels and the other one's aged in some other fruited whiskey barrel. Looked looked pretty interesting. I'll have to see if I can... Apple whiskey is supposed to apple brandy. Yeah. I, I didn't look into it. I just saw the picture on Twitter. And as far as I know, it's the first time that I've seen them put out Oscar and Felix, you know, unblended, even though these are conditioned in barrels. So the best I was able to get from this was on Untapped, 8.5% 19 IBU, uh, Peruba chocolate and black malts, uh, blended 80% stout, 20% dark sour wood beer. Right, which would be either Oscar or Felix. I think it's Felix, I think is the dark one, but I'm not sure, I forget. So I, I, I should clarify to the listeners, New Belgium makes two... Mothers. Mm, sour base beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's called Oscar. One's called Felix from The Odd Couple. One's a light golden ale. The other one is kind of a brown, you know, dark ale. And they blend these beers together and with other things to, to, to make every sour thing they do. You know, including this one. So it's weird that I was getting that because I mean it's, I don't smell that from directly smelling the beer. It's like a weird, like kind of right. mixture with the rest of the air and stuff. All right, so the aroma on this one, yeah, it's a little bit tart, a little bit like cherries, um, you know, like sour There's cherries, a cocoa in there though. Cocoa thing, a, okay, yeah, yeah. So sour stouts, right? You don't see a ton of those. I can think of a couple ones, you know, like. Um, 
Like, you know, like Belgian style. It's like, you know, Trobadour Oscura is kind of the original mm-hmm. one of those. Um, Drylog did a beer called The Plague, which is kind of like a sour stout. I think we did that on the show probably about three or four months ago. And that one had a bunch of berries and stuff added to it. But they exist. I mean, you know, it's not it's not something that is not mm-hmm. un- is unknown. So, all right, moving on to the flavor. It's uh, you know, it's moderately sour. It's not you know super tart. You know, it's not going to really um, dig in and, and hurt you. I think the cocoa kind of comes through, and and plays well. It kind of is like a. Uh, Almost like a German dark uh, black forest cake or something where you have, you know, the chocolate and the cherries and stuff all blended together. It's, um... Not, mm, not working for you? No. The sourness is, is, is really pulling me away from what I want out of the stout part. And, like, the chocolate mm-hmm. notes just being sort of over, overwhelmed by a kind of sour cherry... And not in a good way, not like a chocolate covered cherry, more like a like a lozenge. <laughs> not to not right. to say medicinal, so, but you know it's I kind of went in expecting to have your reaction. Cause I am pretty finicky when it comes to sour stouts and things like that. Um and Belgian stouts and whatnot. I just think it's it's a style where I'm really really picky. This one I'm not having too much problem with. This one, I, I think that uh, there's a decent balance. Do I think it's the best beer I've ever had? No. But I think, you know, for what it is, I think there's a decent balance between the, the, the sour cherry flavors and the, and the kind of the cocoa and the maltiness. Um, I'm not opposed to that opinion. It's just it's not mm-hmm. hitting me in the right yeah, way. I hear you. I mean, you don't... I'm not like against drinking the rest of this either, but it's just like I wasn't trying to convince you to change your yeah. mind, and I wasn't expecting, I wasn't thinking that you were. <laughs> I'm just clarifying. So change your mind, damn it! You want to play some uh, Walk of the Baby Elephants? Oh and, yeah, and we can say, there we go. Um, hey, let me put this out there. Go to it, craft- it's, it's almost holiday shopping season. Get your gifts in early. Go to craftbeerradio.com slash kids. Supporting... Oh, we're doing that? Okay. Yeah, and supporting the... Uh, That's not going to get you your holiday gifts, but it will support kids in yes, Puerto Rico. in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Where, you know, there's lots of crap has happened, and this is going to children's hospitals in Puerto Rico in particular. Or do I'm doing this gaming marathon thing. What day is that happening? November 4th. Okay. November 4th. Uh, you can still do it after the event if you want to, but I mean, I'm doing the, the gaming thing with a bunch of friends. We're, we're getting all together to do it, but it's for a good cause, and believe me, it's it's hard. I mean, 24 hours of gaming What would is... be cool, and I don't know whether you have the, you know... Last year, we could tune in and watch whatever you were playing, but there was no interactive channel or something. It'd be really cool if, like, listeners could get on and give you some encouragement. It would be really at, at cool. Two or three I don't, in the morning. I don't think that we have that set up yeah. right now. Okay. But it's something that we're thinking. You know, if we continue to do this, we're we're, we're thinking about it, but mm-hmm. we don't have the, the equipment to do that kind yeah. of 
I mean, that'd be cool, right? I mean, because yeah. then people can feel a little more invested that, you know, at least they're giving you some positive feedback at three in the morning when yeah. you're like, because you, you kind of wrap up around eight in the morning. Eight or in the morning. Right? Yeah, we start at eight, go till eight. And yeah, it's, it's it's two or three in the morning when it really gets to be, oh my God. Gaming sucks. Yeah. <laughs> So craftbeerradio.com slash kids. You, it'll get forwarded to uh, Greg's Extra Life account. And you can donate and pledge to support him there. And uh, all the proceeds go to the Children's Hospital Puerto Rico. Yep. Thanks. And if you're going to go holiday gift shopping, just wait till next week and we'll tell you where you can do that. <laughs> I think you know. Everyone should know. All right, last beer. We have... Uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to rush you, Greg. Dumping the rinse water there. All right, Mad River sent us a beer. Thank you, Mad River. They sent us their John Barleycorn Barley Wine Ale. I think this is the first time the Mad River's actually sent us this beer. Um, Gary... Has sent us like many vintages of this ah, beer. Over super the years. listener benefactor Gary. Yes, I'm not sure if we've ever sent like requests for samples from Mad River or, or how they you know how they got us, but um, yeah, I think this is the first time that we've got you know John Barleycorn from Mad River and not from Gary. So awesome. So. This is brewed in small 10-barrel batches with certified organic barley malt, which doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Yep, so this is the uh, 2017 vintage, I believe. Yeah, no, 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 this 2016 vintage on the label here. Oh, really? They sent us two bottles. I wonder if the other one's 2017. Wow, okay. So they did Hmm. send us a 2017 version, uh, but they do say on their stuff here that... Uh, aged extremely well with optimal maturity reached at one year and beyond. So we're having it essentially at a year. Yeah. I looked at both bottles quickly and they looked the same. But uh, now I see where the vintage is on the label. Okay, so we're we'll having... have to check the other one. So we're having a, a one-year-old version. 2016. Oh, so this is the 2016. Oh, okay. So maybe they're just releasing the 2016 now? Is that what's happening? For immediate release, let's look at the press release. You look at the press release, I'll read this. All right. Because this is about the beer itself. Uh, the malts that we use are two-row pale, light Munich, Vienna, and Melanoidin. Uh, bittering, Magnum, Brewer's Golden Nugget. Flavor, Magnum. It's flavor for Magnum. It's interesting. Nugget at El Dorado. And finish with Centennial Sterling and Cascade. 9.88% alcohol by volume. Um, hmm. This is the 26th annual release of John Barleycorn. Well, it it uh, it pours with a shimmering hue of rose gold and enduring crown of foam. Okay, yeah, that 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 fits. It's a little flowery, but yeah, it fits. All right, the aroma. Kind of, you know, where I'm looking in a barley wine. I don't like super hoppy American barley wines. You know, Bigfoot is good, but I like Bigfoot with, you know, 
three, four, maybe five years of age on it for those hops to fade. Mm-hmm. I think fresh Bigfoot is too hoppy. I like English styles. And I'm smelling this one from Mad River. And, you know, the hops aren't leading the show. What's leading the show is these rich, caramelly, sweet, malty notes. This bottle's been out for the entire duration of the show, but it is a barley wine, so I'm going to wrap my hands around this a little bit, pump some heat into it. Of course, we're drinking these out of our favorite glasses, the Spiegel Beer Tulip. And, you know, they do recommend the Snifter. This is essentially a Snifter. Mm -hmm. We would always recommend this for essentially, anytime you're going to analyze a beer, uh, a Tulip is, is... probably the best thing to go with and we like these spielglass so much because the glass is light uh light allows you to get heat through it quickly uh doesn't interfere much with the flavors and it's a nice way of accentuating the aromas yeah so the aroma is lightly boozy it's rich with kind of caramel and toffee and it uh, has a little bit of like a, a a sherry or cherry cherry type character to it. There's a little oxidation, I think, on the aroma. Moving on to the flavor. First thing I notice is like it's a, it's sweet. It's a little bit sweeter than I would care for for a barley wine. Let's see if I get used to it. Um kind of has a bit of uh, I don't want to describe it almost like um, well it's interesting because <laughs> I have something in my head because okay. it was put in here by the marketing speaker okay what do you got um, they say savor the fresh aromas of ripe nectarine, light caramel, and mild citrus notes. And so I think sort of nectarine or some sort of okay. apricot or something on the flavor up front. There is some kind of citrusy thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe the hops are coming through, mm-hmm. you know, giving me that citrus type character. Um, there's a fair amount of bitterness in this, you know, that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of magnum as I mentioned here in, in both bittering and flavor they use magnum. Okay. A lot of hops in here. I'll mm-hmm. go through the, the hops again while you're paying okay. attention. I'm paying attention. Uh, bittering magnum brewers golden nugget flavor magnum nugget and El Dorado finishing centennial sterling and cascade. That that's, it's interesting that it doesn't smell like a hop bomb. Right. You know, like a fresh. Um, well, it's a year old. It's a year old, yeah, so that could explain it. It could have faded some, but yeah, they're still very potent in the flavor. It, it's interesting now that you mentioned like nectarine, because that's kind of a really good pool. The way the hops are kind of playing with the maltiness, and it's giving you kind of that, that flesh of the nectarine, and a little bit of the skin, too. Mm-hmm. It helps you identify, does it help you appreciate it? I don't know because I I with yum I like more of a sweeter. I'm one. looking for bread pudding. Yeah. I'm looking for raisins yeah. and cherries and bread pudding and donuts and cinnamon rolls mm-hmm. and that's what I want in a barley wine. Not that it's bad to experiment. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So, you know, I was, you know, anything that I can do to kind of pull, tease out those kinds of elements, mm -hmm. you know, are going to make me more in a happy space. And, you know, pulling out the, the kind of, you know, stone fruits, it's different. Like, I haven't really been in a space where I'm pulling that nectarine or apricot out of... Yeah, and, and they aren't stone fruits that you're used to pulling out because you're used to going more plums or yeah. uh, in, in that nature. Like maybe go towards more of an old ale mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, and you're not really getting that. You're getting a lot of mo more, not citrusy, but more, yeah, the the, the nectarine-ish stuff. It's an apricot, I think, is, is, is a good... Pull too. I, I I don't know. It's 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 different, and I don't want to like. I, I think that there's there's definitely stuff that's enjoyable here for the person who wants it. So I I I feel like bad about saying eh, I'm not <laughs> not really a fan because I think that other people would be, mm -hmm. but I'm not really a fan. I mean, that's, like yeah. you said, I'm I'm like you in terms of what I want out of a barley wine, and this isn't giving me that. On the other hand, what it's giving, I think, is. It's doing well done. Well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree with that completely. It's going to be an interesting ranking because none of the beers stole the show. Yeah. Like, where do I put my favorite beer? It's been a while because we've been, you know, been on this like hazy beer like run and mm -hmm. stuff and just been like freaking out about these beers. Okay, so. I think in last place, I'm gonna have to put the Dauntless just because it was infect infected with a wild yeast or something and was completely de destroyed in the terms of Oktoberfest. The beer wasn't a drain pour. It was drinkable. We finished it. But I, I can't really rank that kind of toffee sour tangy thing it, it i think i just have to put it in last place just to make my life a little bit easier and then i don't know what do i like the best i like that i guess i like that one well, i'm gonna put the brickway in fifth place this wasn't the IPL that convinced me that IPLs should be a thing. Um, I'm still looking. Mm -hmm. This thing was interesting because it had that kind of lemon drop type thing from the the whatever what was that hop called the Gecko Geist or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Grungeist. Grungeist. Close. You were close. There you go. Grungeist. Um, I I would have liked to see. So for an IPL, right? I want to see kind of an IPA type hop flavor and body come through with the lager. I think, but again, it doesn't. Ex I don't know. I don't know what I want to see because I haven't had one that I thought of has really like opened my eyes to why that should be a style. And the brickway just didn't. Uh, mm -hmm didn't do it either i'm going to put the clutch in fourth place from new belgium i'm very finicky when it comes to things like sour stouts 
And um, this one wasn't really rubbing me the wrong way, but it just wasn't that good either. You know, it wasn't something that I was in my happy place drinking. It, it The sour and the roast from the stout, kind of, they're grating tones against each other. Let's put... Put the Mad River in third place. I, I was, you know, like I said, we both just talked about this. You know, we're in our happy place again when it is an English style. Mm -hmm. Huge malt flavors, things like that. Boozy, bring it. When you start hopping it too much, the stone fruit, the that nectarine flavor was in there. Even it's in the marketing speak, but it's also in the beer, and it's interesting. But it's not what I want in a barley wine. Right. We have another bottle of this. I'm going to age it for a few more years. We'll pull that thing out. And I bet you it comes around. Uh, and then the top two. We got Orabel and the Prince and the Popper. I am going to put... This is tough. They both have things that... Are difficult to make them number one, right? The Orabel had too much coriander, but I got used to it. And and also the first couple of sips, it was it was too sweet. I wanted something a drier. And then the Prince and the Popper had this weird balance to it. And then you had this haze of dry. The dry hop was not. The first couple of sips, it seemed well integrated. Then it kind of seemed like it was a like a filter, like yeah. I said, a haze, haze kind of clouding the whole thing. I think I'm going to put the Orbel in second place and the Prince of Popper in first place. And the reason I say that is because I had a better early and overall opinion of the Prince and the Popper. Uh, the Orbel, I had some bottles, uh, some cans of that when I was like just drinking it to drink it, and I think it's a it's a fine beer. When we pull the micro the CBR microscope out, you know that the coriander just like completely like mm -hmm. blowing us out. The Prince and the Popper, you know, I think we talked about how it had so many nice facets to it to explore. And I usually do not pick the most interesting beer to be number one. It, it needs to be the most enjoyable too. But because of this lineup tonight, I think I just got to pick the most interesting. Because I don't know which one's the most enjoyable. It's hard to say. They're all kind of in the middle of the pack. But the most interesting is going to be the Prince and the Popper. Okay. Um, I agree with a lot of, of what you're saying. In, in, in weird ways, the most enjoyable may have been the Dauntless. Yeah, I guess you're, I guess you're right. <laughs> um it wasn't a bad drink, but it was just not what what was expected and what we you know, what it was supposed to yeah. be. Nothing. Okay, so uh, in last place, I'm going to put the new Belgium. I just it wasn't wasn't working for me. Uh, sorry, guys. Um, but if it works for you, that's great. But yeah, that's not working for me. Uh, in fifth place, uh, I'm just going to put the Brickway. Uh, the bitterness really start really came on strong and lingered, and I wasn't sure what to make of it because it didn't taste really lagery to me so much. And yeah, I'm still searching for an IPL that works. Uh, in fourth place, I'm going to put the North Peak. 
the beer that was perhaps the most enjoyable of the night, but it was not at all. It it seems what the brewer intended because that was on Oktoberfest. That was an mm-hmm. American Wild Lager, something. something. Uh, it it was interesting though. It's in, a, it's in a stubby bottle. Yeah. Uh, in in third place, my my first, second, third are all agreeing with Jeff. Uh, Mad River, uh, still you know finishing up the the bits of it. It's not bad, and I, but it's not the kind of barley wine that I really enjoy. But if you like a fruity barley wine, then you might really enjoy it. Or a bell, yeah, I think a, a, at a at a bar, I can totally see me digging it. And I love what it was doing. Like I loved the the integration of the concept of a triple and a wit beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really want to see where that goes if that picks up if that be you know becomes something that other brewers sort of take a look at they don't expect it to become like the next Goza the next uh, you know new Northeast IPA but I, I want to see I want right. to see other other brewers play around with this because mm-hmm. I think I, I think there's something there and that's exciting to me but the Princeton Popper was was really well done and well articulated and subtle and i was kind of with the rest of these beers being what they were the subtleness of the prince and the pauper even though it did have that sort of filter over it sort of won the day for me sounds good thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of craft beer radio and lad zeppelin's going to play us out uh Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want to contact us, you can hit us up. Uh, the email is beer at craftbeerradio.com. We like Twitter, uh, at Craft Beer Radio. I am at Jeff Bear. I am at craftbeerradio.com slash kids. For this week. All right. All right. Yes. I was going to go to that next, but absolutely. Please, if you got any donation left in you after this horrible donation season that we've had like five bucks i mean you know whatever whatever you can spare it'd be great it's going i mean what you gave money to houston then you gave money to florida then you gave money to puerto rico and now who knows what else you gave money to also and here i am asking for more money and you got a christmas coming up right i mean it's i get it i get it i totally do and if you don't want to do it i also get it I'm trying to do the best cause I can and, and the best way I can I can make this into something. Uh, I hope that, if nothing else, it gets people to pay attention. Yeah. Craftbeerradio.com slash kids. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will talk at you again next time. <laughs>